You must be at least 18 years of age to listen to the following podcast. I am Robert Black, and you are listening to Sexual Heroes. My guest today, David Pevsner, is a mainstream actor and writer who has touched every aspect of the biz, theater, TV, film, and music. His most recent project is a filmed version of his one-man stage musical titled Musical Comedy Horror, which tells the story of the double life he led while working as both an off-Broadway actor and an escort. David is continually exploring his sexuality and currently models in photos and videos. His OnlyFans page offers content from artistic to sexually explicit. David Pevsner, thank you for being on Sexual Heroes today. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to dig right in here. Let's do it, baby. I'm going to set this (laughs) stage, so to speak. Great. Uh, You are a mainstream actor. And yet you have done what most mainstream actors will not do, and that is expose yourself, not just in the most obvious way by taking your clothes off and appearing Mm -hmm. naked all over the internet, but by exposing your sexuality and your sexual history, including a good run as an escort. Yep. Why have you chosen to do this? Is it exhibitionism? Is it your mission? Tell us about it. Well, you hit the word on the nose, mission. For years, people have been like, you know, put your clothes on, because I was always somebody who was kind of free with my body, and especially when I started doing the photos. And I realized as I was kind of doing that more and more, I'd get people kind of saying, like, put your clothes on, or or like people getting almost angry about this kind of expression, Hmm. especially as I've gotten, as I've have spent more time on the internet and I have an OnlyFans page, et cetera. And I find that expression of sexuality is a real polarizing subject matter in America. And I, you know, I I grew up with such body shame as a kid and I was always scared of sex because, you know, being a little gay boy that you're not supposed to talk about it. And you only get those back then you only got these really negative messages about it. And I just thought, I can't, I, you know, I just feel like I'm always, I was holding back my whole life, expressing myself sexually, expressing myself physically. And at a certain point, I kind, I finally was like, you know what? I'm fucking sick of it. I'm really sick of it. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of holding my cards close to, you know, close to my heart. I'm tired of um, hearing stories about people who hate their bodies and hate, you know, and, and fear their sexuality, even today. You know, even though we have a lot more kind of in the media about about being gay and about, you know, expressing ourselves on the internet with nudity, et cetera. But there's still something about gay sex, the actual sex act that still makes people crazy. And I, I'm just I'm just trying to explore, trying to explore without any boundaries on myself. Because I'm finding that I had a lot of boundaries about what I would put forward because of my career or because of, you know, my family or whatever. And finally, when I decided I'm not doing that anymore, I'm going to see, I'm going to really explore this. All of a sudden, things started to make so much more sense for me. And, and I just feel better. And I, and I get people 
telling me that they're glad that I'm doing this because they would like to be more free. They would like to have less shame. They would like to feel better about their sexuality. And so it's all been this, you know, between my show that we'll talk about and my photos and my videos and a book that um, is going to be published by Penguin Random House Canada next year. This is all part of my mission to get people to talk about sex, to talk about sexuality, to talk about their bodies, to stop feeling so shitty about them, to have less shame about all of it. I am anti-shame. And on top of that, anti-ageism. You know, I'm not a young man. I'm 61 years old. But there's that element of people saying, well, at a certain age, we don't want to see it anymore. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, maybe some people don't want to, but other people do. And, you know, my OnlyFans page can attest to that. So that's a very kind of long, convoluted answer because I do have so much to say about it. It makes me so passionate and angry and all of that to talk about the subject matter. So I'm glad to be here with you in particular. Well, I think we have a lot in common. That's that's why you're here today, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I the ageism thing, uh, even myself, you know, I'm approaching 60 and uh sometimes I think to myself, I I have no business being, you know, on the internet appearing naked, but you know, I have this fight with myself. And then I see other people who are older and looking hot and, you know, thousands of followers. And I think, huh, what the fuck? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I didn't realize until I started my Tumblr blog back in 2013, and there's a whole story about Tumblr that we can talk about as well. But when I realized that my photos were being reblogged onto other people's blogs that had older guys on it, it was kind of a revelation to me because I was sort of thinking the same thing as you. I'm getting too old for this and I don't know if guys should – and you see these guys. And whether they're you know, hot in a, in a standard GQ way mm -hmm. or hot in a I don't necessarily see it but obviously people do way, mm -hmm. there's some, what I realized was there is something for everybody. And at no age are you done. You know, oh, I'm 50 years old. I'm not going to have sex ever again because nobody's interested in me. That's just not true. I, I think that, like you said, there, there are photos that have thousands and thousands of likes, and there are guys who have pages on Twitter and OnlyFans that you know are, are older and they have thousands of followers. And you know, it's I just don't think that we should limit ourselves to saying if you're 25 and hot, that's all there is. Yeah, and I have to remind myself that you know historically we've all been hit in porn with images of muscular guys with 0% body fat and huge mm -hmm. dicks. And, you know, it's nice to look at that sometimes, but I remind myself, I like looking at pictures of older guys and mm -hmm. bears and, you know, all kinds of different body types and men. And well, and it's so, good that the internet helps us reflect that now because it exactly. used to be whatever the porn companies put out was all we saw. Right. And so for people who were like, well, I like older guys or I'm not necessarily a fan of a huge cock or you know whatever, or I like the big hairy guys with the bellies, there was nowhere to put that before. And now, you know, just you can go anywhere and get anything that, that appeals to you. And there are going to be people who are like, ooh, you like that? It's like, well, Fuck you, you know, don't tell me what I should like and what I shouldn't like. You know, it, it's just changed. The internet has certainly changed things. I hate to sound like like the old guy, ah, the internet. Right. 
but it's, it's ruined everything. It's ruined everything. No, but it's really been great because it really does, you know, as I've started my kind of erotic career, um, a sexual activist, as, as my friend calls me, I think it really started, even though I've been posing for photos for years, it was started in 2013 when I, when I started posting photos on the Tumblr blog. And ever since then, it's been amazing to me, the good and bad that gets thrown at me, you know? So I get the public service angle now, you know, being a, on a mission and and an activist. But is there also an exhibitionist oh, side to this? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's I call myself a recovering narcissist because <laughs> I used to, you know, when you realize when you don't realize that you're a narcissist, it can be mind-bogglingly boring for people, you know, that like, oh, here he comes again. And I've done a lot of thinking about like what it is about this kind of um, the narcissism and the exhibitionism that really appeals to me. And I've come to to kind of a comfortable place with it. And I I don't lie. Yes, I'm an exhibitionist, obviously, um, and, a, and a bit of a narcissist in that I do enjoy, I do enjoy expressing myself this way. But it's no surprise to people who have known me for a very long time that I have always enjoyed expressing that. I've always enjoyed doing what they would never do. You know, showing to being naked on stage, masturbating on stage in, in a legit uh, theater piece, um, posting the photos, moving into videos. This is, it's, it's, it's never felt, I have never felt more me than I am in this period of my life because I am the mainstream guy. I'm, I call myself in in my book I talk about how I'm kind of a warrior in a certain respect but then I'm also like the nice guy doctor in another respect and they've always been at odds with each other there's the guy who likes to express himself a certain way sexually and and has always kept it secret but now that it's coming out it's like it's just one portion of me and the nice guy doctor who I play on TV but I'm a caretaker guy. I'm a smart guy. I, I'm a writer. I mean, there's just, there's so many elements and the porn and the, the nudity and the sexuality is one element of who I am, but I'm right. tired. I got tired of squelching it, mm -hmm. you know, not showing people that side of me. And that. I chose to put it out there and some people don't want to see it and that's fine. And other people are like, thank you for doing that because if you can do that as an older guy, as somebody who has, you know, I'm not saying I'm a huge mainstream actor. I'm not like a star by any stretch, but I've done enough things like in the gay independent world that people know me. And I've done a lot of TV, you know, <laughs> doctors that it is, it is, it has been taking a chance to do it, but I'm kind of doing it my way. It feels very cathartic to be able mm -hmm. to finally express myself this way. Has it negatively impacted your acting work? Yeah. I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't know. I've lost a couple of agents over it. Luckily, I have an agent and manager now who are like, you know what? Just don't walk in the room and say, you know, I got fucked in a video. Just <laughs> and they can Google it. And the, the truth is, honestly, I don't know that everybody cares anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Nickelodeon, Disney will never hire me. I get that. But there are people that I would love to work with, you know, the Duplass brothers and Ryan Murphy and, you know, I mean, that probably wouldn't give a crap. I did Silicon Valley, you know, Mike Judge doesn't care. 
but I did lose a couple of agents. Um, I can't really be seen for commercials. And that's fine with me because I never liked auditioning for commercials. And the couple that I did were just horrifying. <laughs> and, but, and, and the theater doesn't give a crap at all. Right before COVID, I was about to do a production of uh, Little Shop of Horrors playing Mr. Mushnick. <laughs> so Mr. Mushnick, you know, hard cock is on the internet, but nobody cares. So I don't know. I don't know if casting people, when they get your name, if they Google you and go, oh, nope, nope. I don't know. I don't yep. know. And it doesn't seem to matter. Well, I, I'm sure at this point it doesn't because, you know, nobody's really working that much. And when this and and I moved into videos during COVID, so I don't know if that's going to make any difference. Even though it's just for my OnlyFans page, I don't know. There's a lot of unexplored territory here, and I have always been one to kind of dive into my curiosities. You know, like I the idea of selling sex for money was something I thought about a lot growing up, and I was just so taken by it. And the fact that I finally decided to do it was an exploratory thing. It wasn't just about the money. Good segue. Thank you. <laughs> I do what I can. You created a show, the musical comedy horror. It shares with the world your history as an escort. Mm -hmm. What prompted you to create that show and reveal that part of your history? Why is that important? As I was going through, not only doing the work of it, but I get into a relationship in the show that I um, engaged in that really put me through the ringer. And it had to do with what I was doing when I met him, which was escorting and also working in high profile off-Broadway theater. And when the whole thing was over and I had just felt like I had been through it, I thought, oh my God, there's such a story here. It's, and it's not just a story about like, hey, look, I was an escort. There was so much tied to the story and my relationship with him, being judged for your choices, owning your choices, you know, that you are the sum total of, of every choice you've made. And who are you because of that? I thought, wow, there's something kind of deep here. And I really want to express it. But I, I wasn't really, I was a songwriter at the time. I wrote kind of funny, dirty songs for things like Naked Boy Singing. And I've always had a sense of humor about sex. So I thought this show, this story is just so funny and, and weird, but also very relatable and universal and self-esteem and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. So I, a friend of mine was a screenwriter and I said, I think I want to write this as a film. And he said, I'll talk you through it. So I wrote it as a film. And, um, and then at that point I was moving out to Los Angeles. So I thought, you know, I'm going to see if I can get this made. I put it in the Outfest screenwriting competition, and I came in third, and this is back in, I don't know, 1999, I think. And then I almost got it made a few times. You know, you get close, and then they pull it for whatever reason. And finally, I just kind of let it go, and it's like, you know what? Nobody, it's too hard to make this. And, and even though I had done my first one-man musical called To Bitter and Back, back in 2001, I thought, you know, I could totally do this as a one-man show, but... I don't know that I want to stand on a stage and tell everybody I was a hooker. You know, with a film, you can kind of go, oh, it's a story, you know, or it's based on the truth, but it's not the truth. I kind of left it for a while. And then um, I think it was like 2012 or 13, I did a benefit performance of To Bitter and Back. And I loved the standing on a stage and telling stories and singing and, and just directly to an audience, you know, and because To Bitter and Back was just a great experience. And at that point, 
and I'd started to, you know, put some nudes on the internet, I thought, I think maybe I'm ready to turn this into a one-man musical like the other one. So I started the process of developing it and doing like lots of little readings along the way. And originally in the movie, um, I did a show called When Pigs Fly off Broadway Mm -hmm. and in Los Angeles. It was very successful. And I did not write the songs, but the songs were kind of peppered through the movie kind of, you know, the, it was the, the backstage of, a, of an off-Broadway musical on top of the escorting. And I had written so many songs over the years that were based in, true, in the true stories of my life that I was able to kind of use those for the one-man stage musical. And as I developed it, it all just kind of germed together really, really beautiful. It took a while, you know. And I finally, the, the turning point for me was a reading that I did in a friend's living room. And there was this young guy that I didn't know very well in the audience. And afterwards, he emailed me and said, David, you made me cry a million times. I so identified with your struggle and your journey and your, you know, your, your sexuality and this, that, the other thing. He said, thank you so much. It made me think so much about my own life. And this was a kid who was like 27 years old. And I thought, if I'm getting him, then I must be doing something right with this. So that's how it started. And I got an opportunity to do it in Rancho Mirage at this little theater. Oh, right down of, the street from me. Oh, that's right. At the um, Desert Rose Playhouse. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I did it for the first time. And from there, I would, you know, did it various places in LA. I did it in Chicago. I did it, um, God, I can't remember where I did it. And then in Chicago, a producer came up to me and said, I love this. Have you ever thought about filming it? And I was like, yeah. And he said, let's do it. So he was the one, um, in this Chicago producer who helped get this made, this film. So now it's a film of the stage musical. Well, I identified a lot with it myself. We have a lot in common. Yeah. We're both Jewish. Mm-hmm. Nice Jewish boys turned nice. bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did escort as mm-hmm. well. I've had, well, I have a mainstream career. Mm-hmm. And I also show myself naked on the internet. Right now we're like four for four. <laughs> yeah. Each so there, there's a lot of similarities, but I think the reason the whole escorting thing is so important is I think beyond just the world's, you know, war on sex, I think the the whole idea of money and sex is mm-hmm. like people are afraid of that more than anything else. They're just, you know, it's just totally wrong. Even even if you're talking to a bunch of gay guys and topic of paying for sex were to come up. There's a lot of negative stuff around that. Oh, absolutely. And, and I would never do that. I don't need to do that. Right, right. Sometimes you right. don't need to do it. You just kind of would want to. But, you know, but, my joke is, my, there's that joke in the show where I say, you know, I like sex and I'm good at it. And I think if you do something well, you should get paid for it. So absolutely, you know, that was a justification. Before you escorted the first time, I'm mm-hmm. sure you had expectations about what it was going to be like. How was the reality different? from the expectation or fantasy of it? Well, the first time I did it, which is what I I kind of portray in the show, um, I definitely felt like a fish out of water and I was nervous as hell. And, you know, as an actor, I, I really felt like I have to act the role because first of all, in that first situation, I was standing in for somebody. They had gotten a call for a guy, that a certain guy kind of type and he wasn't available. So they sent me me in. It was a, through a service for my first time because I was similar to the other guy. 
So I kind of put on those, you know, that Italian porn stud face, you know, and it mm-hmm. showed up. And it really was because I, I was this like nice Jewish boy, you know, like as we talked about. And so how am I going to do this? How? But I knew that I had it in me to kind of be not like not only an over-sexualized guy, but also caretaker and quick on my feet and funny. And, and, you know, I just knew that I had all that in me. So the first time was an absolute trial by fire. A couple of people said, are you sure you want to put that in the show? It's so graphic. And I said, well, it, it is in a certain way, but it's also very funny. And you also have to see how this guy who you don't necessarily know can do this, you watch him kind of his development as during this scene going, he can do this. I think he can, he did it. Oh my God, he did it. Okay. So now I can follow him doing this and be more comfortable. I found that it was nothing like what I expected. You know, in my mind, I was expecting people like doing drugs and just like having their way sexually with no respect. You know, I was nervous about it, but I was going through an agency that kind of screened guys for me. And I found that I met some great people. I had some great times. I loved kind of being there for them. And I, whenever I do any job, I really just want to do a really good job. I always took pride in how I handled everything. And sometimes there was no sex at all. It was just to kind of have a drink and listen and talk. And, and, and I love that. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm a talker. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But it just, it was not at all what my expectations kind of led me to. And I describe it, even though I'm a personal organizer as well as an actor now, and I do love that, being an escort was like the best gig I'd ever had outside of showbiz. Mm-hmm. Because it, again, it, it, took so, it took every part of me. It took the actor. It took the sexual guy. It took the caretaker guy, um, the smart guy. Uh, you know, it, it just used everything that I have. And I loved that. It's been a while, you know, it's been years, but it's still something that I think about. I have no regrets. I have no shame. Would I tell anybody to do it? No, you have to be the right kind of person to do it. But for me, it was a really good career choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I got into it, I guess, because I was doing porn at the time and mm-hmm. a lot of the other guys were doing it. And first I thought, well, that's, you know, that is so foreign to me. That will never happen. But at some point, I guess I thought, you know, it actually sounds kind of hot. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of self-doubt, and but I tried it. Mm-hmm. And Did you like it? I loved it. I didn't do it for long because it did – it was difficult balancing it with my personal life. Mm-hmm. But I found that I was really good at it. And the client's – hired me usually because they were familiar with my porn work. Mm -hmm. And what I found was they really wanted to please me. Mm -hmm. You know, they had been fantasizing about me based on my, what they saw in film. And when they got together, they really was all about pleasing me, whether they wanted me to top or bottom, they, they just wanted me happy. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't think people think about that when they imagine. They think it's all on the escort. Yeah. 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 Well, there are also guys who, you know, they hire because they're so insecure about sexuality. So Mm -hmm. they know that I'm not there to judge them. They're paying me to not judge them. Mm -hmm. Whether it's something about their body they don't like, or they're not very experienced, or they're straight, or whatever it is. 
And I just found it's like people, there was like a, um, a relaxation that I felt guys had with me that even though they were paying me and maybe we were, you know, both a little nervous at the beginning, cause you never quite know what you're, even though I would, they were screened, you never quite know what you're walking mm-hmm. into. There was a relaxation because I'm very good at putting people, you know, p- putting people at ease. And then they felt good that they could tell me their fantasies or we could do stuff they can't do with other people or that I wasn't going to judge them if they, you know, had a, you know, an average dick or, or a paunch mm-hmm. or whatever, that it wasn't about that. And in doing, and in so doing what I got out of that, which I talk about in the show is that at the time I was, you know, kind of building my body and I was a bit of a body Nazi in terms of my personal life. You know, I would only sleep with guys who had great bodies and it was incredibly shallow and it didn't make me feel good about myself, but I was also like, but I can't help it. But then when I started having sex as an escort, I learned how to focus on other things besides just the body. And I had some great guys and and then I found, you know, ways to make whatever was put in front of me to kind of, you know, eroticize it and feel good about it and enjoy it. And I don't know, there was just so much good that came out of it that I, I, I don't care if people go, but you know, it's illegal. I was like, well, you know what? Okay, fine, whatever. You can justify whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was something I needed to go through and I wanted to go through on top of the fact that I would make more per hour than I was making <laughs> off Broadway. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Fuck you all <laughs> is what I say. And I think this, I think you could call it a kink in itself. I think getting paid for sex in itself is a turn on. It's a bit me. of a turn on. Yeah. 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 I mean, now when I cam and people are tipping, it turns me on. What can mm-hmm. I say? Yeah. It's the same thing. What I've learned this last few months doing videos and stuff and kind of releasing my inner, I won't say porn star, porn person, let's say that, because I also write about the videos. And when I write about them, like as an introduction, I let, I I write filthy, filthy, fun stuff. I don't hold back. And what I learned with the escorting is to say, yeah, okay, it feels good to take money for sex. It does. It just did. And I sit there and think, why is that a bad thing? You know, I've been in therapy for years. We talk about this kind of stuff. Like, of course, you're Jewish. Of course, for years <laughs> doing it. But you just think, like, is there something wrong with that? And there's only there's only something wrong with it if it hurts somebody or if it makes you feel shitty about yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it, that's not the case. And that again, that's not to say if anybody has that opinion about sex workers in general. Oh, what's it going to do now? Get into gay porn, that kind of attitude. It's like, mm-hmm. take a look at what you're saying. Yeah. Because I, you watch porn or you've either maybe hired an escort or you've wanted to hire an escort, whatever the case, it's like, have that opinion if that's what it is, but stop, don't, just don't be such a negative Nelly and, and I don't know. I, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. And I've been treated worse by managers in so-called real jobs. Oh my God, yeah. Than an escort client ever treated me. Mm-hmm. I mean, can't Rest- even compare. Restaurant work. Ugh. Which um, I did it. Did it for years. You know, it was okay for a while, but I hated. To me, it's all who you work with. Everything. Always. Always. Yep. And so, and I've had acting jobs where like the director is just a terror and you cannot, you cannot get to work without like- Thinking, oh shit, I hate this so much. Any job, 
But mm-hmm. I enjoy, I didn't, you know, most of my clients, I had a couple of ringers every so often that were not the best, but for the most part, it was a very pleasurable connecting experience. And it was about connection. You mention in the show that you've had some past experience with BDSM mm-hmm. and I've seen you in photos wearing leather. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us to what extent BDSM and leather is a part of your life now? Um, it's not a lot now because, you know, because of COVID. Um, mm. not okay. Really- just pre-COVID. Okay. Pre-COVID. There were years where I was very happy to like get all get all leathered up and go to like the lure in in uh, New York City, you know the the leather bar there. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I was flogged there. Oh, excellent, excellent on stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, I love that. <laughs> I do. There's something about because here's the thing: people watching that, there are the people who go, "Oh, I can never do that," and then there are the people who go, "God, I, I would love to do that," but they won't. Because they just don't think they should. And the fact that you kind of acted out what many people would have loved to have done, I think it's just incredible. And for me, when I first got into leather, it was more of almost a costume thing. Because I remember I bought the Colt 25th anniversary um, uh, annuals that they had. This was back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And those those cult men in leather. It wasn't just the cult men naked that turned me on. It was the ones in leather. And so once I kind of built up my body and I bought my first leather when I was on tour with a show with Fiddler on the Roof. And I had a beard at the time. And I kind of like just putting the clothes on, I kind of looked like a leather daddy. And the first time I ever wore it was at Halloween <laughs> in New mm-hmm. Orleans. And so at first it just started out as kind of costume. But then I found that having a beard as we were touring the country was kind of a turnoff to a lot of guys because it was it was the period where everything was very clean and shaved and, you know, no body hair, whatever. And so I had this beard and people like I couldn't go to a bar and get picked up for the life of me until I started going to leather bars and going to leather bars and hooking up with leather guys. They kind of showed me, you know, they were like, do you ever get spanked? And I was like, well, no, but go ahead. <laughs> So I kind of explored all of that stuff, both as a top and a bottom, uh, through that period when I was on tour and then coming back to New York. And of course, you get the New York candy store of guys where it's not that hard to find kind of people to engage with. And so I kind of went back and forth between more vanilla-y, you know, romantic-y, and then more like put me in a sling and fuck the shit out of me Mm -hmm. at like a bathhouse or something. But there are things I have not done that, um, you know, with the right person, yeah. Do you have a fantasy that you would like to fulfill? Oh, yeah. Just off the top of my head, I would love to be the centerpiece of a of a gangbang. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've gone to sex parties, but mm-hmm. I was never one to kind of j- jump in and be the centerpiece of the party. Mm-hmm. I would love to be the centerpiece of a gangbang. Um, uh, I've topped in gangbangs. I have. Mm-hmm. And again, private parties. But I love the idea of, I, I've, do, I've done a sex show, which was kind of an art piece where um, we did a, a, one of the films on my OnlyFans page is called Sons of the Moon. And it's three, three of us having sex while the um, patterns of the moon are being projected on us. And it's a really beautiful film. 
So the filmmaker asked, uh, they did a, a, a film festival, like an erotic film festival at highways here in Los Angeles. And he, and that film was part of it. He said, you know, would you be willing to do like a live version of that film in the green room of highways? So I was like, yeah, I mean, I've only, I've only, you know, I've been, people have watched me have sex in private parties and stuff like that, but not really with other people as a part of a show. So we did it. And I was just, I was in my element. I loved it. I loved, I felt like the power that I had over this audience because they were clothed and watching us like wrapped, Mm -hmm. you know, like couldn't take their eyes off of things. It just felt so powerful and it felt so, um, it was just so fun to express myself that way. You know, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'd like to kind of take that a little further. You have a book coming out. I do. We're... Um, I'm just about to sign the contract. It won't be out till January 2022, but it's um, with Penguin Random House Canada, and uh, it's really exciting. It's 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 going to be the centerpiece of my mission. <laughs> this book, right now, it's called Shame on Me. Um, hmm. We're going to decide if that's going to be the title, but it's really it's so nice to like not be. It's nice that it's going to be you know taken on by this mainstream company who really saw kind of the universality in my story. Maybe you weren't an escort and maybe you weren't somebody, you know, who expressed yourself sexually the way I did in photos, but there's something about my story that I think really speaks to anybody, gay, straight, in between, relatable. Anything else you'd like to tell us today that we you think we should know? I really hope people will watch the film because um, – I don't know. Maybe it's the title. I I don't know like how to get through to people sometimes about watching something like this, a one man stage show. Sometimes you tell people one man show and their eyes glaze over like, but I I want people to know that this is a, like I said, a very relatable story. It's very entertaining. It's very fun. I think it's funny. um, But I think it's also moving. And I think it speaks to anybody with an open mind. Uh, I hope they'll watch, you know, they'll, join up with my OnlyFans page because I'm not treating it as just like fucking with somebody and then putting it up there, which I have no problem with people doing that on their OnlyFans page. But I always wanted to try something different with it to take some of the stuff is very kind of artsy. I work mm-hmm. with a filmmaker who kind of takes it from a more artsy standpoint. And some of it is very raunchy. Some of it is triple X, but I, it's definitely everything has a point of view. And either humor or, you know, extra eroticism. I, I, it's almost hard to explain, but I'm having such a good time and I'm getting such great feedback on it that, you know, it's the kind of thing people haven't seen yet on OnlyFans. Well, David, you have inspired me. And I'm sure if there is a listener who isn't familiar with you and they start Googling your work, they will also be inspired. And I thank you very much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I I really want people to look at themselves, look at their bodies, look at their sexuality and celebrate it and to not feel shitty about it. Fuck shame. For information with links about a guest appearing on Sexual Heroes, visit the show notes at sexualheroes.com or on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow and message me on Twitter at Robert Black XXX and on Facebook at Real Robert Black. 
Thanks for listening. 